0: Imagine that you're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, rowing across 3,000 miles of water by your own power. I know, sounds like the beginning of a scary movie, right? Well, it's not. It's what my guest, Bo Meyer, and a couple of his friends did when they decided we've got to do something. We've got to make a difference. We've got to raise awareness. So we're literally going to row across the Atlantic Ocean. And in that extremely difficult journey of 3,000 miles of water, Bo's life would change forever. Can't wait for you to hear about my guest on this episode of Unbeatable, Bo Meyer. Hey, before we get into Bo's incredible story of rowing across the Atlantic, you want to do some rowing, you want to do some mountain biking, you want to do some climbing, I'm doing an adventure in Israel on March 17th through the 27th, and I want to invite you, here's some details about it before we get into this episode. Before we get into the interview for this episode i want to invite you to go with me on the trip of a lifetime and that is not an exaggeration i've spent more than the last year building a tour of the holy land that never existed before this is what we're calling the unbeatable adventure where we're going to repel we're going to climb cliffs we're going to ride mountain bikes through the countryside We're going to swim in the Dead Sea. We're going to climb trails. We're going to spend nights under the stars and spend days in luxury hotel rooms. We'll be in fishing boats on the Sea of Galilee. This is basically everything that you could want to do with action and adventure in Israel, plus all of the world's great historical sites there. And the dates for this trip are March seventh through the 27th. I want to invite you to come along. We built this trip so no matter where you live in the world, all you need to do is buy plane tickets and show up in Israel on day one. And from there, we pay for and we take care of everything. Hey, if this epic tour sounds like something you're interested in, why don't you go over to Signature Tours and search for the unbeatable Holy Land Adventure with Jeff Strooper starts March 17th, and it runs until the 27th. I would love to see you there with me. And now I want you to hear this incredible story, this amazing journey of crossing the Atlantic Ocean with my guest, Bo Meyer. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life and become unbeatable. Hey, Bo. It is great to get a chance to meet you and to talk with you on this episode of Unbeatable.
1: Yeah. Hi, Jeff. How you doing?
0: I'm good, man. Thanks for joining in. It's the middle of the winter in South Georgia, which means, you know, 70 degrees right now, literally 70 degrees today in South Georgia. Uh, what's it like for you right now?
1: It's not too bad. Um, Sheridan, Wyoming, we uh, it was about 32 below for a week last week, and now it's back into the 40s. So we're you know, we're doing good.
0: Thanks, man. I did that on purpose for people that are listening around the world that don't understand US geography. While it's seventy degrees here in Georgia, it can be literally a hundred degrees different and Wyoming in uh, you know, big sky country, it gets really cold with lots of snow and a hard wind, right?
1: It does, yeah. Yeah, the wind in Sheridan's usually not too bad, but when it picks up it's I mean, it'll take it from thirty two below to fifty below, you know, just just yeah. wind chill wise. So
0: for everybody who's driving and not watching this episode on YouTube, you heard him correctly. He said fifty-five zero degrees below zero when that wind starts blowing in Sheridan, Wyoming, which I don't care where you come from on the planet. That's just flat out cold, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that is. Uh, that's cold.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay, so. Uh, I'm reading your story, I'm learning more about you, and I am freaking out to be honest with you because I joined the army on purpose. I joined the army because I don't wanna be in the Navy and I don't wanna be in the Navy because I don't wanna be in a boat. And this army veteran that I'm talking to, Bo, decides to get together with a couple of other army dudes and hey, let's row across the Atlantic Ocean. 3,000 miles of ocean on a rowboat with just you and a couple of buddies. I just got to say it out loud, man. What the heck were you guys thinking? Or maybe I should say, what were you guys drinking when you came up with this idea? Let's row aclo- across the Atlantic.
1: Right. So, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. We've been doing it now for a little while. But when it all started, um, we... Uh, after getting out of the military and you know dealing with my own stuff and and um, kind of coming to terms with that, I hadn't really connected with the my military buddies. You know that I had been. I mean, you know, I was in for several years, and and it just seemed like when I got out, I think a lot of people do this. You know, you you get out and you go do your own thing, and you and, you, and it's almost like you know I'm 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 done with that now. And I'm going to go do something different and what I didn't really realize. And I think, you know, what, what I've talked to a lot of my friends about too, is that we, um, y- you can't replace the relationships that you built in the military. Um, you know, are it's just, there's a bond there. That's, that's just, y- you just can't find that with other people, um, you know, back in your hometown, not that they're, bad people or anything. It's just really difficult to just share that sort of same connection. I mean, it's like, uh, something you can do with sitting next to a guy and you don't even have to say anything and things are okay, you know? And, um, and so after, you know, dealing with some of my own issues, you know, I guess kind of coming out of the fog, um, I started to try to reconnect with some of my military friends and, and, and we did. And, and, uh, unfortunately, one of the calls I got um back in two thousand I wanna say it was fifteen late two thousand fifteen maybe early two thousand sixteen was uh one of our good friends committed suicide. He was in Colleen, Texas. He was still active oh, um, but he had boy, left he our was unit born in born the to to Texas yeah. and um and and was a EOD tech. He so he left the infantry and went to EOD and um and was down in Colleen and just a, just a great guy. You know, I didn't even, you know, I hate to say it, but I didn't even know he was, he was struggling so bad. Um, And uh, I got a call. We went down there. Um, A a lot of people were going to show up to his funeral, you know, people I hadn't seen in a really long time. And I actually drove from Wyoming to Colleen to pick up two of my military friends in Denver, um, who I hadn't really hung out with very much. And uh, so we could get some window time together and we drove down there together. And it was it was a bittersweet you know kind of situation because uh, it was horrible you know like what was going on down there but at the same time reconnecting with everybody was was really beneficial too and so when we left there um, Alex Evans who started Fight or Die with me uh, one of the guys that started it with me um, him and I were just we were complaining, is what we were doing. We were complaining because somebody needed to help the veterans, you know, and nobody's doing anything about it, or we're not making, you know, people aren't making a big enough effort. But the interesting thing about that is it quickly turned to a conversation of, man, we're not doing anything either. And these are like our friends, you know? Um, and so we kind of stopped complaining about it and started talking about, you know, what we might be able to do. So for the next couple of weeks, you know, we would text back and forth about, oh, what if we did this? And it's like, nah, somebody's already doing that. And finally, Alex calls me one day, and I was sitting in my office, and, and uh, I'll never forget this, because he, he called me up, and he said, hey, you still want to do that thing, like, you know, something to help veterans? And I was like, yeah, man, I'm all about it. What do you want to do? And he was like, I think we should row across the Atlantic Ocean. Well, let me back up. He didn't say that to me at first. He said, do you want to do a rowing race with me? That's all. And I was like, yeah, I'm in. Where are we doing it at? You know, and in my head. Don't
0: even know what we're Don't even know oh. what you're getting into. Yeah, yeah, just yeah sign me you up. You know.
1: <laughs> commit right away and then we'll figure it that's out. That's right.
0: Just like a great warrior, jump yeah. in head first and figure it out later.
1: <laughs> right. So yes. I said, "Where are we doing this at, Alex?" And he was like, "Well, it's across the Atlantic Ocean." And I was like, <laughs> "Dude, like
0: <laughs> that's a big body of water." Yeah.
1: Um, so he said, "Man, let me I'm going to send you this video that I found and check it out." Um, I watched this video and, you know, I, I kind of got emotional watching it. Cause I was like, we, we have to do this. Like, this is something we got to do. So we have no idea what we're doing. We're a couple of guys from the mountain States. We have no business on the ocean.
0: Needless to say, you're a thousand miles away from the closest body of water.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So and it was just me and alex and we were like well we need four guys to do this you know i mean you could do it in pairs but we wanted to do four so so for the first couple months i mean him and i were just kind of out there flapping you know like trying to figure this out and and it became really clear to me that this is this is going to take a lot you know i mean that we're going to have to really like work towards this and and we are probably not going to be able to do it anytime soon so what if we what if we set a date, you know, that's maybe two years out or whatever to try and accomplish this goal. And it was kind of funny because Alex got all mad at, you know, he was all mad at me. He's like, we need to go do it right now. And I was like, I don't think it's. Yeah, let's splash. just go Alex.
0: jump in a rowboat and start rowing by our own power across yeah. the Atlantic with no no planning and no training.
1: Right. Well, it is his, uh, you know, with what he was telling, he was like, you know, his take on it was. I mean, dude, you know, we've done a lot of crazy things. Like this will, this will be fine. You know, like we jump out of planes, like we, you know, we do all this stuff. And I was like, Alex, this is a big deal. And he actually, him and I stopped talking for like two months. He wouldn't talk to me. He wouldn't return my calls, nothing. And finally he called me back and he was like, all right, like I see where your head's at. Let's see what we can do about this. And, uh, and by the way, in that time he had called everybody we know military wise and every guy was like you guys are crazy like there's no way that I'm doing that um and so <laughs> so it was just the two of us and we didn't have anybody uh else to do it and we ended up meeting up in Denver um we were both working in the oil field at the time so we went to this big oil field party and uh I I I pull up next to the bar. This guy's standing there, and he's and uh, he he looks over, and I was wearing a, a KIA bracelet at the time, and he and he said, "Hey, uh, were you a military guys?" Like, yeah, I was I was in the eighty second. He's like, "Nice, man." He was like, "I was a ODA commander," and I was like, "Okay, cool." Like, so him and I started talking, and turns out we were in you know some of the same theaters at the same time, and anyway, we had you know kind of hit it off right away. Well, Alex pulls in, and he's like who's this guy? I said, this is Bryant Knight. I was like, I just met him. He was an ODA commander. <laughs> Alex looks at him and he goes, no, you are not
0: <laughs> <And so, laughs> By the way, for the listener, these are uh, two guys from the 82nd Airborne Division a pretty elite unit talking to a special forces commander telling him, no, no, you weren't because uh-uh, yeah. you don't look like you're that tough, right? Yeah. Well, and you know, I,
1: I didn't think that, but you know, Alex is just he's Alex. I mean, um, but uh, so anyway, um, Brian's friend basically throws a punch at Alex and they start fighting each other. And, and Brian and I just stand there, never met each other. You know, we're just chatting and we're like, what are these guys doing, man? Like, this is ridiculous. So kind of gets all situated. And a couple of days later I was still in Denver and I, and I, and I I had gotten Brian's number and I was like, Hey, we should go to lunch, you know, it'd be good to, to meet up at lunch. I'm going to bring Alex. Alex felt pretty stupid about it. So, so we go to lunch and we're, we're sitting there eating lunch and, and Brian's like, so what are you guys all about, man? And I was like, well, actually I was curious if you wanted to row a boat across the Atlantic ocean with us. And he was like, I'm in.
0: That's a, that's a great lunch, uh, conversation yeah. starter. Hey, yeah. you want to row across the Atlantic? I know you, I don't know you and you may be a total psychopath, but you want to row across the Atlantic with me.
1: Right. So, you know, it was just like instantly he was, he was on board. And so, you know, now there were three of us and we needed a fourth and, and, uh, it wasn't but a couple of weeks later, um, I was, so I used to own an oil and gas construction company and, this guy comes in my door and uh, he's like, hey man, I was, you know, I was looking to see if you needed another welder like I'm you know, looking for work and so he sits down, he hands me his resume and first thing I see on his resume is that he was uh, in, in 1st Battalion Ranger Regiment and then he was 1st Special Forces <clears throat> um, and uh, his name is Chris Koontz and I was like, hey we started talking about military stuff and, 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 and I was like, hey, you wouldn't want to Row a boat across the ocean for veterans and he was like
0: just inviting total strangers into a very small road boat rowboat with you for weeks or months on the atlantic ocean i
1: love it yeah so just by chance we picked up two other guys that were crazy enough to do it with us and and they really wanted to to do something to help veterans too you know all of us have had our own, you know, path out of the military and things that have happened. And, and then we've also known just so many people that have struggled, um, significantly. And, and so anyway, the four of us kind of put this thing together and, and, uh, it really, all we were going to do at first was, was, you know, go row a boat across the ocean and we weren't going to have an organization or do any of this stuff, but We were laughed out of so many rooms. I I can't even, you know, it was, it was crazy. I mean, we'd go in there and, you know, we'd tell people what we were doing and what we were trying to do. And they were just like, yeah, you'll never do that. Like, you guys are crazy. Like, you know, we're not interested to help or whatever. So we were like, okay. So we ended up creating a, um, a nonprofit organization because we just thought it might be a little easier to raise money that way. So we were,
0: I don't know. It just
1: it's it took a lot of really really hard work um, to get to you know to be able to build any of that, but um, we pulled it off, and uh, we were the the <laughs> we're the first uh, all American veteran team to ever row a boat across the ocean. So
0: I want to get into just what it took to get to the start line, but before we do that, man. I got this, while you're talking, I got this image of like a movie scene beginning, right? And it's four dudes that are in a tiny little vessel, human power, trying to get across the ocean. They're being crashed by waves and storms, busting down on them. And all of them are crying out, like, we're all going to die kind of thing. And then I Fast forward, or you know, you fast backwards just a couple of months, and they're sitting around watching YouTube videos, going, "This looks cool. This looks like fun." <laughs> and meanwhile, when you finally get into it, you're like, "What the heck am I doing in the middle of a three thousand mile ocean, trying to move across this thing on my own power?" Yeah. And before we're done with this interview, man, Bo, I I gotta know what happened to you, and how your life changed on that ocean. But before we get to that part, man, you already started to talk about it. So let's just get in the weeds on what did it take for four total unknown, zero experience? Hey, we got this crazy idea. Want to support us? Want to give some money? What did it take for you guys to just get this thing, uh, to get started on this epic adventure across the Atlantic?
1: Well, um, you know, so none of us knew how to raise money. So that was a whole huge learning experience for all of us. Um, I I still don't think I'm very good at it. But it was, uh, you know, there was a lot of people that once we kind of figured out, like, what we're really doing, what our mission is and, and why, um, and we just started to talk about it to people over and over and over again. Um, the amount of support that we were given was unbelievable. You know, I mean, people started to, to, to back it up. So. When you uh, say raise
0: money, how much money did you need at a minimum just to pull this off?
1: Yeah. So we raised about close to 500,000 the first year. Holy um, In one year? yeah well really about two years so for the first team i guess um and that's because wow we didn't have a boat right so in an ocean rowing boat is a unique thing it's not like you know you go down to cabela's and pick out a boat that you're gonna you can't go to the
0: bass pro shop and get one of these
1: yeah exactly so um we really wanted to have a um a boat made in the United States. And there's only one builder in the United States that exists. Her name's Sonia and she lives, um, she owns Spindrift and lives up in Port Townsend, Washington. And, uh, so I got a hold of her and and told her what we were doing and what we're all about. And she was like, yeah, I'd love to build you guys a boat. So she had her own design, you know, of a, of an ocean rowing boat um that we you know went and checked out she had a smaller version of it for a a pair instead of a a four-person boat and um is a hundred percent carbon fiber you know and these things are they kind of look like little spaceships in a way you know i mean they have uh uh it's all solar powered you know water maker on board all your electronics you know your gps everything so um and then enough storage to to support you for you know across the ocean so so anyway we we had her build a boat and it was, it was super expensive you know i mean to, to to do that um and then all of our training and travel to get together to train and just i mean it just it adds up so fast you know and all the gear and the courses you know it's kind of fun you know all of us are are from military units that do a lot of training, you know, and we had a lot of different kind of training um, between all of us, but none of us had like, you know, the proper training to do something like this. So, you know, we, we had some guys, you know, um, Don Deo who owns D-Day defense. He's a good friend of ours, but he's an 18 Delta uh, special forces medic. And he has a company that does offshore survival and stuff like that. So he actually came and did a bunch of stuff for us. Um, but it, it just, it was so everything's so expensive in ocean rowing, you know I mean? It's a, it's a really tough thing to raise money for, um, did
0: you have a support, uh, any support along the way? Like, did you have some support vessels or did you guys go out there on your own?
1: Yeah. So we, um, there it's unsupported. So the race is unsupported, but it is a race. So it is put on at that time. It was done by Talisker whiskey and the Atlantic campaign. So they, uh Talisker Whiskey was like the title sponsor for the race and at the time they so they were I think it started in 1997 um and they used to do it about every 3 years cuz that's when they could get enough crazy people together to go do oh, it that's
0: when they could find uh, enough crazy and, uh, people and then, then it kind of
1: yeah and then it kind of caught wind and they started doing it every year I think right around 2013 is when it started to go every year and um And so we, you know, we signed up through them because they do offer, you know, it's, they're, they're a class act. Like the Atlanta campaigns, it's now called the world's toughest row. They're, um, I mean, they're just amazing. They, they help with everything, you know, to, to help prepare you or give you guidelines to prepare yourself, I guess. They do offer support, you know, at the start and at the finish. Um, But there isn't like a, there's no follow on vessel, you know, once you Once you go. Once you're you're out there, you're out there, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, Hey, for the people that are watching on YouTube right now, move your head to the side so that everybody can see those big burly guys that rode across. There (laughs) it is. A picture of him right behind there. Um, Talisker whiskey and Atlantic uh, challenge. uh, uh, I'm assuming this is when you guys uh, successfully completed the Atlantic. Is that what that picture is? It is. Yeah.
1: That's a picture taken right before we got off the boat and we, and yeah. The Look
0: at the smiles on their faces and it's because of what you guys just went through, you know, to to make your way across the Atlantic and to get to this point, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we always tell people that um the hardest part is getting to the start line, you know, and that might seem odd, but it is really difficult to raise money, but it's also you know, again, um we we attract guys from, you know, small unit teams, right? I mean it's just it's a thing, I guess, but um the um <laughs> so talking about my team in, in particular and it happens every year. I mean I witness it all the time. Every year we do this with new guys, but we're all four type A guys who, you know, have done some things and wanna go do this new thing and and it it gets tense, you know, because like trying to get all this stuff done and, 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 you know, figure it all out is, can be extremely frustrating and everybody has their own ideas and, 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 and I don't know why, but we're all, you know, it seems like no matter what, everybody's wired to, to kind of think that they're going to have a better idea than the people who have done it before them or something. And so we just, now we just let them, you know, all right, like go, you know, because we do a lot of training in Mobile Bay down in Alabama, and and it's inevitable that after the first couple of times they go out, they come back, and they're kind of like, okay, like wh- wh- what? Now we we're think? ready
0: to listen. Yeah, before that we weren't, but now we're ready to listen, right?
1: Yeah, and we yeah. had a hard time with it because we didn't really have anybody that much to 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 show us. You know, this is all new for us, and so, um, man, like you know, we, it was, uh, we, we, had some, you have to be a really, you have to be very willing to continue to work, to be a part of a team when you go do something like this, because, um, you know, you, you just, you can't get your feelings hurt, you know, when, when somebody's upset at you for this or for that, I mean, you got to work it all out, um, or it just won't work. And, um, but, uh, you know, so, raising money and trying to train and you know dealing dealing with family really also for this whole thing because it's it's not a everybody that has ever rode for fight or die including us they're war veterans you know and now they come home i'll never forget when i told my mom i was like mom I'm going to, I think I'm going to row a boat across the Atlantic ocean. And she literally burst into tears. And I was like, <laughs> what, what's wrong? And she was like, when are you going to stop? Like, when are you going to stop doing things that, you know, basically you're like willingly putting your life in danger again, you know, to go do this thing. And I said, mom, it's really important to me. Like, I think I I think this is going to make a difference. I really do. I think this can be our part in helping people and every team that has done this since, too, you know, whether it's wives or parents uh, or siblings, you know, they kind of, they're up against the same thing where, you know, people are like, man, like this is, you know, but anytime I talk in front of a big crowd, like when it comes to fight or die stuff, you know, I tell them like these guys, are willing to put their lives on the line once again for their brothers, which is really special if you think about it um, so you know but uh, yeah it's it's a thing
0: <laughs> what is fight or die describe that for the for the
1: audience so we we didn't really know what to call ourselves when we were doing all this you know and 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 we just we just kind of started to talk about, you know, the, you have a choice, you know, we all have a choice to, and and sometimes that choice is really, really difficult to make, um, no matter what it is that you might be going through, but you can either choose to fight it or it's going to kill you, you know, and, 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 and people can interpret that, you know, in, in their own ways and 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 it might resonate with somebody other than me, different than it resonates with me. But, but I just, it's just kind of like, not just don't ever quit. Don't ever give up. You know, like you, you have to keep fighting. You have to keep going because, um, and you know, and, and I think Chris Coons once said like, you know, everybody has their own ocean to cross, you know? Yeah. Um, and you know, um, and I, you know, I always tell people that, you need to live, you know, and I, I always said to you, like, I, you know, I used to talk a lot about it when we first started this, that I, um, I was alive, but I, I just, I didn't feel like I was living, you know, and that that's, I guess in a nutshell, you know, fight or die is, is all of that. It's, you know, it's, you know, I mean, that's just kind of the, the name and the phrase that we coined to like, you know, make it a thing, but, um, it, you know, it's about, digging deep and and fixing what you're dealing with and you know and and we figured that if we can row a rowboat three thousand miles across an ocean that maybe somebody will see that and say you know what like those guys are out there doing this like i'm gonna i'm gonna get off the couch today and i'm gonna go just we're trying to motivate people you know to like get help get fixed and don't be afraid to like deal with the problems that you have don't you know like it's you can accomplish anything and we we also wanted to show kind of the world that veterans even though sometimes we may seem broken like together we can do some incredible things totally yep
0: hey um i need to tell you thank you uh for all of that you've done for the country you and i were at the same place at the same time a couple of times when you were in iraq (laughs) In fact, I went to see your boss once when I was there. I was in the Ranger Regiment, but we were operating in your area. And I just wanted to go check in on my old commander, your uh, brigade commander, Colonel Mike Steele, who I still have a great relationship with to this day. But man, for all that you've done for our country and what you're currently doing for veterans now, you were making me think of. Um, I, I struggle to explain to people that have never served in the military and it's actually not just the military, but it's, it's when you go to war or experience the real hard stuff in the military, the bond that that creates, I, I struggle to explain that to people that have never gone through what you've been through. So Bo, um, my first guest ever on the very first episode of unbeatable was Kenny Thomas, who was with me in Somalia. And um, you just described with your mom, like the very exact same uh, conversation that I had with my wife, because Kenny called me and said, Jeff, uh, 20 years later, I need to go back to Somalia. And I said, Kenny, are you crazy? Do you know how dangerous Somal- Mogadishu, Somalia is the most dangerous city on the planet. And you and I have both been retired or out of the military for a long time. Like, what are we going to do over there? And his comment was basically, and it was this short of a conversation, Jeff, I'm really struggling. I need to go back personally, and I need you to go with me. And I paused for maybe five seconds and said, if it's that bad, I'm going. Then I hung up the phone and thought, oh, I got to go tell my wife. And her first words were, what, when are you ever going to stop putting yourself in you know, circumstances like this? And she knows me. She knows how deep my love is for the guys and gals that I served with in the military, but even explaining it to her, I couldn't find the right words. Like how can I explain to him? He, he needs me. And if he needs me, I'm going to show up and I'm going to help out. And if that means I got to go put my life on the line for him, of course I'm going to do that. Which for people that have never gone through the experiences you and I have both, that's a little bit hard for them to understand.
1: Yeah, but, absolutely. You
0: raised a lot of money. Now, listen, about a year, little over a year ago, I wanted to do something to raise awareness and money to like you to try to help prevent veteran suicide. So I attempted a bike race across most of South Africa and did the best I could to kill myself while I was on that bike. But my real goal was to raise. Listen to this. In 11 months time, I wanted to raise $50,000 and I didn't even get all the way to my goal. And then I'm listening to you, and you brought in a half a million dollars in about a year or two. And I'm like, "Well, this dude knows how to raise money. This dude knows how to uh, tell. This dude knows how to let people know just how big the the challenge is that veterans are going through, especially four or five years ago when they were still killing themselves almost forty a day in the United States." So let's reel the tape back a little bit and go back to that drive to Colleen, Texas, when you and uh, a buddy said, listen, somebody needs to do something. And that somebody is us because everybody in America was saying somebody needs to do something about this. But nobody in America had any solutions. And most of America didn't even feel like it was my responsibility. So can we go back into that conversation just a little bit more what was it that caused you guys to say, I'm sick and tired of watching my buddies kill themselves. I am personally going to do something. You know, I mean,
1: I, I don't know, you know, I don't know what I think. I think when you get to a point where you're just tired of, you know, I mean, it hurts. Um, It hurts to see, your friends hurt like that. And it hurts to see their families hurt, you know, with the destruction of everything that happens when somebody takes themselves out. And, um, I think, I, I don't know what, I don't know. I, you know, I don't really know. Okay, Cause it's, it's almost like we didn't even never, we never really had a, a, a big conversation around it. It just sort of, I kind of feel like for whatever reason, we were just, at that time in our lives you know something was calling on us to say hey like you guys need to step up and try to do something you know and um we all you know when when we started this whole thing you know i I mean i've told this to so many people i said look if if we save one person's life
0: yes absolutely it's worth
1: everything we've done yeah all the blood sweat and tears right the amount of people that have called in to our tiny little organization that does this one crazy thing to say, I didn't kill myself because of you guys. It's unbelievable. The, 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 the day that I stepped off the boat, I could barely walk, you know, and I, and I was handed a phone and, uh, you know, I answer the phone and it's this lady and she says, Hey, um, my husband who I've never met ever. I don't even know who this exactly. person is, uh, is alive today because of you. Wow. It was like, I mean, it.
0: that makes all the pain. You, worth you the can't ride. ask for
1: any more than that. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. and to me, it was like, you know, mission complete. Right. I, you know, we're, this did something, you know I mean? It did something for all of us personally, but like, it did something to affect other people. And, yeah. you know, I mean, we've set up other programs since then, you know, to help other people out, but um, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know like back then, you know, with me and Alex and that conversation we were having, like it, it, it it's just, it's one of those situations where you're talking with a friend and, and it's like, both of you are emotional and angry. And like I said, kind of blaming, you know, and then it, And I don't know if it's because of who we are. I don't know if it's, you know, military wise or whatever, but it just got to a point real quickly that I don't want to talk about other people that should be doing this. I don't want, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm capable, you know, I'm capable to help. So let me help, you know, and that's kind of just how it, and I don't know, I, you know, it was kind of quickly went that way (laughs) without a lot of thought really.
0: you you sound just like my friend Doug Schuster, who served in the Ranger Regiment with me. And Doug and I were having lunch a while back. This has been quite a while now. And Doug and I were both angry with the amount of buddies that had taken their own life. And Doug said essentially the same thing you did. Like, the worst part, Jeff, is I didn't even know that it was that bad. I knew that they were struggling, but everybody's struggling. And then the next phone call I get, it's too late, it's over. And Doug made this statement to me. And Doug, if you're listening, huge shout out to you. Doug said, I'm going to start calling and I'm just going to start randomly calling buddies and I'm going to just let them know, Hey, I'm thinking about you right now and I'm available. And if you need to talk, I'm here. Um, because I don't know how bad it is. If you don't tell somebody how bad it is. And I was like, Doug, I think you're onto something, man. Um, because I really do think there are some guys that are really struggling and, The bond in the military, especially the bond when people have been through the fires of combat and really dangerous, hard training, that bond gets so deep. But if you don't have a brother like that or a sister like that to call right away or to reach out to, it's easy to go down a bad road and just feel alone and isolated. And pretty soon you don't want to live anymore. So I want to tell you, thank you for doing something practical to make a difference. And I can't even imagine how emotional that phone call must have been. Not only did you just actually make it to dry land on the opposite side of the Atlantic, but to hear some lady say, You saved my husband's life. Uh, man, I can't imagine how that must have felt.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. Um, you know, sometimes, I don't know, you just, what's crazy is it, I didn't. I mean, you know, that was amazing and that, you know, and it felt really good, um, but it, it was probably two months after I rode, after we completed that, and I'll never forget because I, I was sitting, uh, eating breakfast one morning and um, I just like broke down out of nowhere and my wife was like, what, are you all right? Like, what's going are on you okay? you, like, I, like, I Are you okay? Like, are you leaving started. it? I just, it just sort of all sunk in, like everything that we've just done, you know, and it it was kind of overwhelming, you know, at that point, but. um.
0: Well, I want to get to what happened to you in the middle of the Atlantic, Um, because honestly, what you guys did is mind blowing. I I can't imagine the training, let alone the hardships that you guys went through getting to the Atlantic, but before we actually get to middle of the Atlantic and there's some moments where your life is impacted forever, it's not just veteran suicide for you. I mean, for you, this is a really personal thing. Every veteran that I know has many, not one, but many friends that have taken their life. Um, In fact, when I'm in audiences now, I say, is there anybody in this room that doesn't know multiple people that have taken their life? And there's not one hand that goes up. Um, but, in your case, man, this goes back farther than the military right um, so, for just a few minutes let 's talk about you know kind of your childhood, your relationship with your dad, and how your relationship with your dad you know kind of your some of your last
1: days with your dad sure yeah so um, my dad was he 's a brilliant man um, you know he uh it's, it's crazy because, you know, I wish that I could chat with him today, you know, just about like, just pick his brain on stuff because of things that I remember and people that I've talked to since, um, you know, everything. Um, but as a kid, you know, he was, he, you know, my dad was just like, in, in this incredible person, right? He was a, he was a owned his own house, you know, contracting business. And they built all these homes in Washington state. And, and, you know, he's like my hero and we fished all the time. And, uh, he used to take me hunting all the time. And when I was a little bit, I mean, I wasn't that old, probably, you know, three, four years old, five years old. My dad started going from, uh, Washington state to Wyoming, to, to guide, uh, hunters, you know, up in like the Jackson hole area. And, um, him my mom decided that they were going to move out to cody wyoming of all places um so that he could kind of pursue, you know things that he wanted to do out here um and uh so we moved to cody when i was i don't know i think i was six years old and um uh you know and, and and as a child like you know growing up before i was a teenager i mean you know that all kind of continued i mean you know we we, we fished and we hunted together and, you know, um, and, but I, it's weird. Cause I remember those moments so much more than any other moments really with my father. Cause he was, we just did so much stuff outdoors together, you know, and I, <laughs> he, he was the first person in my life to, um, kind of forced me to gut it out, I guess. Um, all right, right. Nice. You know going up in the mountains when you're a kid you know and and it's freezing cold outside and it's miserable and you're it's hungry miserable. And, yeah it is uh yeah. you know my dad is always just like you need to toughen up you know and like um not in a negative way but like right. just pushing me to you know just you know it doesn't last forever right nothing lasts forever and keep that in your head and um but as i got a little older you know i kind of I was a, I was a wild child, you know, middle kid, my family, like I I partied all the time. I, you know, school was never really that important to me. I, um, I, I did okay only because I tested good. (laughs) Uh, if it wasn't for that, I probably wouldn't have made it through, but you know, my dad and I, and I didn't know this at the time, obviously, but, um, but him and I, you know, really started to kind of butt heads about a whole bunch of stuff. And I know that's, fairly normal and natural for a lot of teenagers and their parents. But, but it got to a point where we just, like, I just didn't want to be around them anymore. You know I mean? We didn't hunt anymore. We don't fish anymore. Like it just, you know, and, and at, and at certain points throughout my teenage years, it was almost like my dad would, it's like he would offer an olive branch every once in a while, you know, like he was trying to like repair that relationship and looking back on that now, like I, I realized that, but at the time, like I didn't want anything to do with it. Sure. You know? and, and, uh, and so, you know, he became pretty hard on me, you know I mean? We, we, I mean, it was, we didn't really talk much for a long time. And, you know, I grew up playing hockey too. And, and, you know, my dad was big into helping that whole thing. And, and in fact, my dad is like pretty much the main reason that Cody Wyoming even has a hockey program, you know? Um, and, uh, but it's weird because I, I was, I was, I was a pretty good hockey player, but I could have been a lot better if I would have cared more. Um, but I was good enough to be better than most. And so I just didn't really put that much effort into it. And, and my dad like constantly hammered me on that, you know, cause he was like, man, if you just tried a little harder, you know, like, and, but you don't, and he's like, you, you know, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you don't have to put effort into it, you know? And, and, but I, I couldn't stand that, you know, it always like irked me. And, um, anyway, I, right around graduation or, you know, just before my dad had even gone to the army recruiter office and, um, you know, talked to them about some stuff. And it was probably two weeks after I graduated that, uh, I met up with him in town, uh, um, uh, in a, the parking lot actually of like a grocery store, which is by the recruiter office. And he had just come out of there for a second time or something. And I didn't even know he was doing this, but he, you know, he came up to me and he was giving me a hard time about, you know, what are you going to do with your life? And like, you know, like all these things. And he was like, I don't even think you can make it into the army. You know, like you're just, you know, you're too you're too messed up, you know, you're too wild and you're too messed up and all this stuff. And you know, that moment in my life, that day was kind of an interesting, you know, I've held on to that for a long time. Um, because I, I I told my dad, I was like, you know, I don't ever think I want to see you again. Like you, we'd be better off if you were just not even around us. And, uh, it wasn't more than a few days later that, um, you know, I got home like way late at night, you know, it's summertime. So I'm out with my friends. I get home. It's probably, I don't know, eleven, twelve o'clock at night, maybe later. My mom's asleep. My brother's asleep. My sister's off in college. <clears throat> and I just got home and this lady and we live like, uh, 16 miles out of town, you know, up in the mountains. <clears throat> and So this lady pulls up our really long driveway and she gets out and she's wearing like a, a windbreaker, you know? So she's like a, like what an ATF agent or FBI agent we wear. And I was like, can I help you? And she was like, well, I need to see your mom. And I said, no, my mom's asleep. Like, what do you need? Why are you at my house this late? And she said, well, you know, and I, she wouldn't tell me. And I kept, you know, kind of pushing her. And finally she was like, well, your dad is dead. And I was like, what? And, uh, she's like, and I, you know, I'm like, how did he die? And she was like, he committed suicide. And I, I just remember like my whole, I don't even know how to explain it, but it was just like instantly, the only thing I could think of is everybody else, how this is going to affect my mom, my sister, my brother, everybody, you know, like, that's what hurt me. Um, in a weird way, you know, I mean, I, I hadn't had time to like, f- yeah. think about my father and like all that situation yet. And I just, I just remember, you know, the, the, just the pain that that caused my family was just unbelievable. My mom, my mom's mom committed suicide when my mom was really? like 18 wow. 19 years old. And uh, wow, your poor mother, so yeah. my mom is like, she's like my hero. I mean, my wow. mom was like, wow, an unbelievable lead. Um But so, you know, when that happened, it's kind of interesting um, because I, I, I just buried it. You know, I just, I just pushed it down as far as it could go and didn't really think about it, but it wasn't until many years later that I kind of realized that as much as I tried to like push that down and bury it, it like, it really affected choices that I made, you know, and things that I did. Um, my, my brother played professional golf. He was a, he was on tour. He was a professional golfer and he won a golf tournament and quit, which is like the craziest thing, right? As a professional golfer, he worked his whole life to get there and he quits. And (laughs) I I was already out of the military. I just got back home. My brother quits and comes back home. And I was like, what are you doing here, man? Like, why would you come back here? You're on like, you're on a this. I mean, he's so good. And he's like, well, I just, I'm just done. I'm just tired of it. And, and he wouldn't say anything. He would, he would never tell me. And, and two years later, I finally get him to go out on the golf course. Cause he wouldn't play any, like he was done, he, you know, put in the closet. I get him out there. We're out playing golf. And I was like, man, you gotta tell me, like, why did you quit playing golf? And he said, well, when I was, playing juniors and dad was still alive he never would go to any of my golf tournaments and so our mom would always take my brother to the golf tournaments. well one time she couldn't go so my dad had to go him and my brother got into some argument during this because of some rule or whatever at the golf tournament and 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 essentially my dad like you know, this is probably an eight-hour drive from our house where this golf tournament's at. So, the whole way back, my brother's telling me that, you know, dad is just telling me, like, you know, you're never going to be good enough to play. Like, this is not something that, you know, this is something you do with your friends on the weekend. Like, just kind of laying it on him. And, and Gabe was a little kid, you know. And so, when when my dad died, Gabe just, like, flipped the switch that I am going to prove to this man who's no longer here that I can do this. And the interesting thing about that is, as I was like, wow, that's crazy. Like uh, I never thought that anybody else in my family had that same problem because I've done things in my life. The military is one of those things yeah, yeah. where it was just like, I told you I could do this when And not said, only could I do it, it but I'm army. doing all yeah. of these other things, you know, sure. and, and so, uh, you know, but that dealing with that, you know, has, it's just, I don't know. I, it, I've always been very, uh, sensitive to like suicide, people with suicide issues and things like that, because I've been through it. And, and another thing that happened to me, you know, I was injured training wise in the military, not combat related. Um, and, uh, you know, at the time, like the army, I don't, you know, they didn't really have the same uh, protocols, I guess you could call it. Like when it came to like taking medication and all that kind of stuff. So I was given a ton of medicine, you know, and this is like midway through my army career. Um, And it, and it was insane because, you know, I mean, yeah, it was helping my physical pain, but like mentally I I just kind of turned into a, I didn't feel, I, you know, I just like kind of all that was just going away. So all this mental stress, you know, that you're going through combat related things and stuff like that. I, I never, I never worked through any of that. You know I mean? It just was sort of there, but I, you know, I was just numb to it. And, um, it wasn't until after the military and, you know, I had struggled with that kind of on and off for a little while that, once i once i got like over that situation i i realized that the one thing that i always told myself that i would i will not ever do what my dad did i will never hurt people like that i was actually doing it to myself just in a very slow way right you know and and that that changed things for me you know i i realized like man like you know you know i don't know so but I don't know. oh man but,
0: you're you're talking about uh just a few episodes ago i interviewed uh tommy parker who was a marine that got blown up and and a triple amputee and they threw drugs at him and basically he became a zombie and was in and out of prisons for years and would steal and do whatever he had to do for more pain pills that led to, you know, to hard drugs that led to a heroin addiction. Then he met a woman at a gas station that that moment turned his life around because it was the moment that he realized like, I'm, I'm, it is my fault. My life is where it is right now. And I'm hurting a lot of people. And Bo, what you just described, you know what suicide does better than most. Even guys like me who have many, many buddies who have taken their own life. I've seen the hurt, but I've never felt it like you have because your father took his life and really took his life not long after you said, listen, man, I'm done with you and don't really want to have much more to do with you. So the way I want to kind of bring this uh, story to a close is let's go back to the middle of the Atlantic Ocean now. Um, And you got some hard rowing to do inside yourself. Notice what I just did there. For everybody who's listening, I'm going to say that one more time. This is no longer about you against the ocean. This isn't you and a couple of buddies against the elements. This is you having some real work to do with you. And I'd like to just give you some time to talk about what happens to you personally um, on that boat in the middle of the Atlantic and how it, it really did impact you and maybe even make you into a better man.
1: Sure. Well, and you you would know this, Jeff, because of military experiences and stuff, but the crazy thing about rowing across the ocean is it doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how fit you are, how prepared you think you are. About a week in, maybe less, your body is toast, like the only thing that's driving you to continue is what's in between your ears, you know? And so that every ranger school student knows what you're talking about, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, and it, and it just becomes like you against yourself the whole time, you know? Um, and, and with that comes a lot of other interesting things that come up, you know, because, because you're, you're, you're working so hard, you're fighting so hard to just keep going that I I think it just, it, you just have moments, you know, you, it's like you almost have moments or at least, you know, I do and, and, and rowing the ocean is the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's happened to me a few other times in my life too, where you just have like a, I don't know, like, it's like a, like clarity for a second or something yeah. that like yeah. something comes over you and it's like, wow. So, You know, with my dad, I was sitting in the middle of the, I mean, we were probably 1,500 miles out in the middle of the ocean. And I just, I just felt like I had to say, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. Got to get this out, right? Like in the middle of the ocean, I got to deal with this and I can't keep stuffing it down any longer. Mm -hmm. which is where a whole lot of people who are listening to this episode are right now, because they've been stuffing it down and trying to keep their life busy and keep themselves preoccupied so that they don't have to deal with it. But when you're 1500 miles from the nearest landmass, there's nothing out there but you having to deal with you. Sorry to interrupt, man, go for it. No, you're good. I
1: mean, it's just, you know, that was, I needed that, you know? Um, I had thought about that last conversation I had with my dad so many times. And even though I'll never be able to tell him that in person. And even though there's so many things that technically my father should apologize to me for, but I still had a part of something that I needed to let it go. You know, like my side of this, I cleaned up my side of the street in that situation. And it took me many, many, many years to get there, but I finally got there.
0: Man, if there's anything that I love about your story, and this is, you're the perfect guest for the Unbeatable Podcast, Bo, and it's not fight or die, the nonprofit and what you're doing helping other people. It's you getting to the point that you realize, I gotta work and I gotta do some hard work, blood, sweat, and tears, not fighting this boat, not fighting the weather, not fighting the ocean. I gotta do some hard work to get healthy again on the inside And anybody who's ever been where you are knows that junk ain't easy. In fact, a lot of people are simply so overwhelmed by how hard the work is to get emotionally, psychologically, I would say, maybe even you would agree, spiritually healthy, that a lot of people will never get there. They just quit because it's so hard. Um, Mm -hmm. And they let their past or their emotions beat them, literally. Right. And what you're saying is I won't be beat by my emotions. I won't be beat by the ocean. I won't be beat by my past or this mistakes that I made with my relationship with my dad. I'm going to do the hard work. And even if it takes me years and years, I'm going to keep doing the hard work until I can get healthy on the other side of it. Right.
1: Yeah. No, that, and that's, (laughs) that's pretty much how I live my life, you know, and that's, ocean rowing is no different, you know, all that stuff. And what we try to talk to people about is if you just don't give up, you know, um, things don't always happen in the timeline. You think they will. And things happen just like that situation that did to me in the middle of the ocean. I wasn't like consciously trying to do that at some point in my life. It just happened, you know, and, and, but it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have been constantly, striving to try to work harder you know work more work more towards being the person that i want to be um and that doesn't stop you know it's not like that happened and then and then things are (laughs) you got to work at your life every day every day for the rest of your life
0: well i don't know if you can do this um but i'm gonna put you on the spot man um you rode hard rode. Um, to get across that ocean but you also did some hard rowing inside and if you can the guys or the gals that are listening to this episode right now that are right now where you were could you give them an idea of what happened what what you look like what what was different for you on the opposite side of the ocean when you finally got out of the boat and I'm asking you this question to give them some hope because they're they know I got nothing but hard work in front of me, and I don't even know if I have what it takes. And Bo's telling me, don't quit. But I'm saying, I don't know if I can even make it through this ugly past or the big mistakes or the huge challenges that are in front of me. So with the last couple of minutes, can you describe the man you were before you started rowing and the man that you were when you got out of the boat? And if it's even possible, can you tell us what was different? Um, because I want people to say, okay, I, maybe I don't ever row across the Atlantic, but I'm going to do the hard work that Bo did. Cause I want to get to the place that Bo got to when he got out to the other side of the boat, not to, not to, not to say that your life was better. And it's all been, you know, unicorn farts ever since you got out of that boat, but I want people to have something to, to, uh, reach for, have something to row hard towards.
1: That's a tough question. Um, I, uh, this might not make sense with what you're asking, but every single thing that I've done is kind of building on the last thing that I've done. And, and, and that's good and bad, right? I mean, you know, cause things ebb and flow, you have, you have your down times and your up times, but, um, but you know, when I started that row, I think I don't know. You know, I I I was I think the change for me started much sure earlier than the actual start line of the row. I think when we started to I mean it really started for me, you know, when I started to kind of work on myself, but when Alex and I decided to go do this and we started you know that that moment really just little pieces at a time, you know. There it was like I I started doing this, you know, they call it service work in a lot of areas. You know, I started doing this for other people and slowly, but surely I just noticed that you have feel a little lighter. I'm sleeping a little better. Like I, you know, like, I'm I'm just happier, like for no reason, for no reason. I, you know, I just feel kind of more at peace. And I would, I would say that Again, I think it took me probably um, almost two months after I got off the road for that to really like settle in. But I think I don't know how it really, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to like distinguish a moment in a moment. But but the the moment that I was sitting there at the breakfast table and just kind of was like overwhelmed with emotion, I I think in a way like that was me feeling more than I've ever felt before, you know, because I had done something so powerful that it, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, that could be anything for anybody. You know, it doesn't have to be, like you said, it doesn't have to be rowing across an ocean or, or climbing Mount Everest or doing some crazy thing. But, but all I can say is that, and I, and I always tell people this, like, I promise you, That if you stick to, like, if you fight and stick this through, like, whatever it is that you might be struggling with, you're going to fail. You're going to have backward steps. You're going to have things that happen to you that set you back. But if you, if you never let that keep you back and you just keep grinding and going forward, you'll have those moments. You might be overcome with emotion. Who knows what it'll be for you specifically, but you'll feel like. I just like made it to the next level in my life somehow. And it's because I didn't stop, you know, and, um, I'm still, there's, I'm still having moments like that. you know. I mean, there's other things that have come up since then that are like, Oh, wow. Like uh, that's just mind blowing to me that, you know, um, you know, I don't, that probably didn't answer your question very well. In
0: fact, I don't know if you've ever been asked that question before, but you just answered it beautifully. I wasn't talking about the physical start point and the physical end point of the race. I was actually talking about the kind of guy that you were months or years before you got in that boat and the kind of guy that you became months or years after getting out of the boat. And the way that you described it, I wrote those words down while you were talking, man, you started to feel lighter. You started to sleep better You started to be happier. And I'm saying who on the planet doesn't want some of that? But what you just basically described it as, as feeling more. And what I wrote down is I think what Bo is saying is I started to live more after I got out of that boat than I was living before I got in the boat, still breathing, still taking up the same amount of space on planet earth. But I just had a much, much more to my life afterwards which is the reason why anybody who's facing right now what you are facing should do the hard work and fight or die so that they can get to the point where they're living more after the fact. Dude, I could go on in this interview. I really could for about three hours because I love everything I'm hearing from you. Um, But I want people to know more about you. So definitely there are people that are intrigued about what you did. How can they find out more about this Uh, you know, the race across the Atlantic, but more importantly, how do they find out more about fight or die?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, um, I mean, we're on all the social media channels, you know, um, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Uh, But uh, our website is usvetrow.org. So um, if you go on there, you know, there's all sorts of links about what we're doing. And uh, like I said, you know, we just had a team, uh, last night, our All-Ranger team just finished in Antigua, which is super awesome. Oh, those bros um, they're doing were great. very proud of
0: them. Please do um,
1: Craig, uh, one of the guys, Craig, I mean, it's just unbelievable. But he he yeah. essentially got a static line injury. Um, but, I mean, not jumping out of a plane, but like his his safety harness on the boat wrapped around his arm. He got thrown off. The boat went one way. He went the other way. That oh. uh, tore his bicep.
0: Oh it's my goodness. While or, he was
1: on the boat. While he's on, they got, he got tossed off, you know, halfway through the race um, he's been hanging in there, you know what I mean? And, and, it, and it, and it, it's awesome because, you know, one of the things that like, cause you know, we did a, a call with him. I didn't personally, but I know Evan Stratton did one of our other guys and on the sat phone and, and you know, he's like, they're not taking me off this boat. Like I'm not, all quitting. right. So, you know, that's what I'm so talking about. He's got to get rushed to the hospital. I think tomorrow to get surgery because he's <laughs> yeah, had to a fix this him.
0: arm that's been jacked up yeah. for months,
1: but he wouldn't quit, you know? And that's just, yeah. those are the kind of people that I don't, know, we kind of attract that, I guess. And it's a great yeah. thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, us Bet row is, like I said, has all of our links. We do, um, you can sign up for mental health first aid courses on our, we offer those free to people, um, and, um, and 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 uh, we we also have a grant program where we we essentially give money to students that are training to be military psychologists or psychiatrists. So, um, like, so grad students, we give them money for for school uh, if they're yeah. going to go nice. into to help mental health for veterans, you know. So. Uh, If you're driving right
0: now and you missed that address, we're going to put it in the notes to this episode. But if you're watching and you want to write this down, usvetro.org. And you can find out some more awesome information there. But man, it's cool what you guys are doing um, to help students as well as, you know, to try to make a difference. I, I love what you guys stand for. I love what fight or die is doing right now, man. Thank you yeah. for being on this episode with me.
1: Yeah. And I, last thing I would say too is to anybody, you know, is just don't be afraid to say something, you know, I mean, um, I think that's one of the biggest barriers, biggest hurdles for anybody to get through is that they're, they're ashamed or they don't, you know, whatever it might be that's going on inside you, like that prevents you from having that conversation. And Jeff, you probably would relate to this, but. It's like going on a, you know, 12 mile, 20 mile ruck march and you're in the middle of it and you're like, I'm going to quit. And you look ahead of you and you're like, well, that guy's not quitting. That's so right. I'm not going to quit yeah yet. And then you get to the end of it and you talk to your friends and they're like, oh, dude, I was thinking about quitting the whole I time. Almost quit, but the I almost but, quit, but I
0: watched you, right?
1: Right. You thought you were yeah. the only person that's suffering like that. You're not. So that's the point yeah. is that if you start talking about it, you'll find out that. That's true you're not alone and that not feeling alone is going to help open up the door to get started on getting help right to to start growing and fixing what what you have going on
0: Bo, we're 126 episodes into this podcast and what you're saying right now is what guests have said almost every other episode we probably said this more than 50 times uh, since this podcast started and it is, if you're struggling, don't it, the really strong guy or gal is the one who's quick to say, I'm struggling. I need help. Don't hold it in. Don't try to figure it all out yourself. Mm-hmm. Help let somebody else know you're struggling. And if you do that, you can be unbeatable too. Yeah. So man, thank you for that challenge. And dude, again, thanks for all you're doing for veterans. Thanks for all you're doing to help make the world a better place. And thanks for being on this episode.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: I love everything that I just heard from Bo. Man, I could not think of somebody who has better described the reason for this podcast than Bo Myers and the Fight or Die Foundation that they started. He really is onto something. That when you are facing hardships you can stuff it down you can try to run away you can keep yourself busy or try to avoid it but the bottom line is at some point you're going to have to do the blood sweat and tears hard work of getting healthy and that means either you fight it and you beat it or eventually those challenges will beat you so if you want to be unbeatable thank you for tuning in to this incredible story from Bo Meyer and thank you by the way for staying connected with this unbeatable podcast if you just listen to this first episode ever of this podcast and you're like i love what i heard i want to hear more like this well why don't you go ahead and hit that subscribe button on youtube or on all of those audio channels that we're on and follow along or go back and listen to some pretty amazing guests like tommy parker just a few weeks ago and by the way if you want regular details all all week long why don't you go ahead and connect with us on social media we're pretty much everywhere Uh, just search for at unbeatable podcast and you'll find us on almost all of the social media sites you'll also find people out there like gildo alfredo chiwaya who is the guest of the week and if i mispronounce your name right now gildo i'm totally sorry But I wanna just say thank you for being so active. Thank you for being so engaged online. Thank you for staying connected with other people that are part of the Unbeatable audience. The ultimate in getting connected to us and letting us get connected to you is why don't you go ahead and join the Unbeatable Army. It's our totally free list where we send out information and stay connected with you directly in your inbox all week long. If you want that, there's no strings attached. There's no, uh, you know, hidden agenda here. Just simply go over to unbeatablearmy.com. And next week, I look forward to bringing you another guest with another incredible story. So I'll see you right back here next week. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life and become unbeatable.